Amen. Why? Because that's your technique. Footwork, movement, whatever it is. It may, it may not sound important, but if your techniques are right, you've got one up on the enemy. Because my technique is correct. Amen. If your technique's shaky, your performance will be shaky. It'll be shaky. For, for instance, what is the foundation of X times Z equals whatever? There it is. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Why do we not take our first grade children and put them in Algebra 1? <laughs> well, they have no foundation. So what, what is the school system based on? Right? K3, K5, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. They're, they're going to enter fourth grade and rehearse a large part of the year what they learned in third grade. And then about halfway through the year, they'll start learning new stuff. To get the foundation, to get the technique correct. Right? Amen. Amen. I saw a statistic one time that said you would be amazed at the number of adults in America. And when I say adults, I mean 30, 40, 50 year old people cannot sit down and take a piece of paper and work out an arithmetic problem on paper. Amen. Why, why do that when all you got to do is reach for your phone and use the calculator? Right? Well, what if you don't have a calculator? So what, what, now here's my point. I'm not against you if you do that. I use my calculator. But, but here's, right? But I can work the problem out on paper too. But here's, here's the issue. What has happened? They have sacrificed technique for convenience. And what a lot of people do to get out from under the pressure in the fight of faith, they sacrifice technique and they get whipped. You, you can't do that. Amen. Amen. A good fight is not just one you win, but one where the technique was precise and productive. Not just one you win, but where you did it right. Glory to God. So let's look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, verse 1. And we're going to take these step by step each week. The first step is you have to be absolutely convinced. You have to be absolutely convinced. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, now the word faith there is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it basically means this. The base definition of it is the conviction of the truth of anything or being convinced that something's true. Being convinced that something is true. The conviction of the truth of anything. All right? Faith is the conviction that something is true. And it says that conviction is the substance, the grounds, the title deed, the, the, the standing under, the foundation. It, it carries the idea 
of a bridge that gets you from one point to another point. So in other words, you're in the fight of faith and to get where you want to go, faith, the conviction that something is true is what's going to be the foundation, the standing under, the bridge that gets you there. Faith is not a hanging on, faith is a standing on. You'll talk to people and you'll say, how you doing? Well, I'm hanging in there, hanging in there in faith. You're not in faith if you're just hanging in there. Faith is not a hanging on, faith is a standing on. There's something I'm standing on. And I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Amen. When, when the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes, He would convince, convict the world of sin, but He would convict us of righteousness. How did I know that I was a sinner that needed Christ? The Holy Spirit convicted me. And what happened when I became convinced that I needed Jesus? I then had faith to be saved. And the Holy Spirit will do that about everything that you're, that, that you're dealing with. You will become convinced that this is what God wants for me. And when you know that you know that you know that you know, faith has come. Amen. Glory to God. That's not just something you want. It's something you know. Faith is a spiritual force. Faith is the transaction point in the spirit. It's how everything that God wants for you comes to you. Amen. I've had people say, well, to get anything from God, you got to pray in faith. Well, you know, you just got to hang, stand in faith. Well, you just got to confess the word in faith. Because that, that's the component. That, that's, that's the standing under. And he says that faith is the substance, the standing under, the grounds, the conviction of things hoped for. The picture that you see, the picture, what are you hoping for? What are you believing for? Right. Of things hoped for. The evidence just means proof. That's what it means. It means proof. When faith shows up, you have proof. Amen. Everybody else may not see it, but you know it. You don't see it, but you know it. I don't have to see it to know it. I don't have to know it. I don't have to see it to know it. Nobody else can see it, but I know it. But you haven't seen it, but I know it. Because I have evidence. What evidence do you have? Faith has showed up. You understand? Faith has showed up. Glory to God. So I have to train until I'm completely convinced that what God has said will happen. That's how it's going to be. The problem with many believers is they're not convinced that they will win. They're not convinced that when they encounter opposition, they'll overcome. Their technique's faulty. You got to be convinced. You got to be convinced. Uh, there, there, there are many illustrations of this in the Bible. But when you, when you look in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. But it says that, that God told Moses, take one man from every tribe of Israel and send them into the land to look at the land I've given you. The land I've given you. The land I've given you. Right? 
And, and they went in. You remember the story. They saw the land, good land, milk and honey, flows, grapes, figs, uh, pomegranates, all the goodness, right? And they came out, but yet 10 of them were not convinced, and two of them were. What was the difference between the 10 and the 2? This was only, this was only two years after God had delivered them. Only two years since God had delivered them. They were in bondage to Egypt. They were under the, they were under the oppression of the greatest, the greatest nation ever. They were in slavery. They were, they were being uh, destroyed as a nation and held in captivity. And God delivered them. God delivered them. Set them free. God brought them to the Red Sea. And God opened the rest. See, you've got to understand something about faith. The supernatural is not your part. The supernatural is God's part. Your part is have faith in God. What God does supernaturally, God's going to do. You don't have anything to do with the supernatural. Well, Moses held out his rod. Whoop-dee-doo, he held out his rod. God opened the sea. Moses believed God. God opened the sea. Am I helping you? And then they get to the land, they get to the land, and there's only two that kept faith in what God said. Amen. The rest of them saw giants, thin cities, trouble, armies, and what they do? Lost their technique. Right. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, two chapters later, it says Joshua and Caleb are going to go in because there is a different spirit found in them. Different spirit, spirit of faith. So I don't have to see it to know it. But I have to be convinced to see it. Glory to God. Romans chapter 4. Let's go over to Romans 4. Romans 4, verse 1. What shall we say then, Abraham our father has found as pertaining to the flesh? If Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So we see the context here is Abraham's faith was counted to him for righteousness. Amen. Well, what was Abraham's faith in operation for? Well, I mean, two different things, two, two things that were, that were uh, uh, not necessarily different, similar. First of all, his faith was in operation that he was going to be the father of, of, of many nations. Right. Secondly, his faith was in operation that he was going to have a son when he was too old to have a son and his wife couldn't bear children. You know, sometimes I don't think we think about this. Uh, 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 Sarah was past menopause. She was not producing an egg every month. It was impossible for her to be pregnant. Impossible. She had never been able to be pregnant ever since she, ever, ever since she reached the age of womanhood. She, she wasn't able to get pregnant when she was 18. She had been barren their whole marriage. And now, not a, now a barren woman has reached the age that she can't produce anymore. And it seems like God has waited so long that Abraham can't produce anymore. Amen. Do you see this? But then notice verse 17. 
as it is written. Now this again is a parenthetical statement. He's talking about the faith of Abraham. And he comes here to explain to us his faith. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Genesis 17, 5. God told Abraham, I have made you. I have made you. Well, you, you, right? For a father of many nations, I have made you. But you do recognize that at that point, he wasn't able to have a son. And God said, that's what I've done though. I have made you. What, what is this? This is the beginning of him being convinced. Remember I preached the message, uh, it's been maybe a year or two ago. What, what does, what's the word say? What did God say? Over and over again, we see that in Paul's writings. He would run into people that didn't believe him, and he would say, well, what's the scripture say? As the scripture said. Jesus ran into unbelief with the religious leaders, and he said, here's the problem. Here's why you get into an error. You don't understand the word. You don't know the word. If you don't know the word, you can't be convinced of the word. And even though you know the word, you still have to be convinced of the word you know. Knowing is not enough. Listen, you can know one scripture and be convinced that that one scripture is true and change your entire life. You, You can run the devil off with the begats if you believe they're true. Amen. I've known people before that didn't know anything but John 3.16. But boy, they were absolutely convinced that God loved them. And if God would send Jesus, God would heal them. God would prosper them. God would set them free. Because they had a conviction about what that scripture said. Amen. Oh, glory. I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed or like unto him. The, the original Greek says that, Jesus, that Abraham became like God. In that he what? He calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now notice how he's building his faith. God who quickens the dead. Well, what's the Bible say about Abraham's body? It was dead. Sarah's womb was dead. What's God saying? I can quicken the dead. Amen. Have you, have, you, have you ever thought that, you know, we sing songs and, and talk about how nothing's too big for God? And that's true. It's not. But here's the thing. Now, I'm not asking you to respond to this. I'm just asking you to think about this. Do we believe that? Are we convinced of that? Why do you see believers that when they're faced with something big and something daunting, they back up? There's not a conviction there. Now, this is not an indictment against anyone. It's if you don't feel like you're convicted, get in the Word and get convinced. Are you following me? And he says, notice what he says. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, 
He considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I've heard people preach this, and they will say, well, you know, he just didn't pay attention to his body. That's wrong. It's not what it says. Right? When you, when you read it, and if you, if you pull up that uh, uh, scripture in the Amplified Bible, uh, please, sir, and if you look at that in the Amplified Bible and you look at it in other Greek translations, you'll see something. It says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. Now notice, but notice the first phrase. He didn't weaken in faith when he saw his body good as dead and her barren womb. Another translation says, he did not see that as a reason to believe God wouldn't do what he promised. Do you see this? You got to be convinced. He didn't weaken in faith. When he saw this, glory to God. So what we see here is the promise and the challenge to the promise. The promise was I've made you a father of many nations. The challenge was his age and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Hallelujah. The promise, the challenge, the technique. Abraham did not weaken in faith because he was convinced. Read read on here. Notice it says verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able to perform. He didn't weaken in faith. He was convinced. He was fully persuaded. Everybody say, fully Fully persuaded. persuaded. Amen. That what? That God would keep His word. That God would keep His word. His technique was solid. Amen. Amen. That's why John 17, 17 was such a revolutionary scripture to me. Your word is truth. That settles the issue. If something's true, there's no more question about it. Amen. With every challenge we face, our technique is getting more and more solid. Every challenge you face, your technique is getting more and more solid. Amen. Because not, not only are you learning, not only are you learning what to do, you're learning that the word works. You're learning that the word won't fail you. Hallelujah. When uh, Pastor Michelle and I started declaring the word, I'll just use this, it's, it's, a, it's not a life or death issue, but just a simple issue. We began declaring years ago that because of what we've done for the kingdom, we receive houses and lands out of the kingdom. And that those houses are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Because it says in the house of the, the, the dwelling of the righteous... Our treasures. Amen. Amen. We became convinced of that. I said we became convinced of that. And that came true. 
But you, 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 have to, you have to be solidly convinced that what God says is what's going to happen. With every challenge you face, your technique's getting more and more solid. Look at uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 17. Now, it's so important to understand how to fight the fight of faith so that you don't get over into mental ascent and you don't get over into foolishness and presumption. Hallelujah. Because the, the most dangerous issue is mental ascent because it looks a lot like faith. It sounds a lot like faith, but it's not faith. It's deadly. Mental ascent knows it's true. Mental ascent shouts about the word. Mental ascent amens the word. But it's just mental assenting to the word. It's not a conviction that the word's true. Amen. Like the guy I knew one time that came to me and his, him and his wife were both young and, and, and they had some children and, and, and you know, they, they had kind of made the decision that they, you know, they didn't want any more children. And so he came to me, and I, I use this example. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly the way he said, but I, I'm not trying to be common. But he came to me, and he said, you know, we don't want any more kids. I said, okay, all right. He said, we can have what we say. And I said, yeah, that, that's true. That's what the Word said. He said, so, so we don't need to use any uh, birth control or protection because we can just say we're not going to get pregnant, right? <laughs> yeah, pastor's got to deal with that kind of stuff. I call it idiocy. <laughs> you say, what would you tell him? I said, brother, if you're capable and she's capable and you're doing what it takes to have a child, if you don't do something, you're going to have a child. <laughs> you say, what happened? They had a child. <laughs> Amen. See, it's important because what is that? Foolishness. Right. Foolishness. That, that's taking a principle from the Word of God and being foolish about it. That's not how you fight the good fight of faith. The devil is looking for foolish people because he can clean their clock. He can destroy their life because they're not operating in faith. They may know the principles, but they're operating in them foolishly. Amen. So we have to be convinced. Notice here in Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith. Notice Abraham did this by faith. When he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him in a figure. This is a challenge Abraham could only overcome by faith. This is a fight of faith. He has his son, and he lives however, however long Isaac had lived. Uh, most people believe he was an adult. And at that time, God told Abraham, okay, now take your son, your only son. Take him to the mountain that I'm going to tell you and offer him there as a sacrifice. And Abraham went very willingly to do it. Now, now, now of course, it was because he had a covenant, but he had faith in his covenant. It, it proves it here. What did Abraham say? It says that he accounted that God was able to raise him up from the dead. So in other words, I am so convinced that God promised me this and that he's going to do it that if I have to go through with this, if God's got to raise him from the dead, he will do it to keep his word to me. 
That's conviction. That's faith. That God will do whatever He's got to do to keep His word to me. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Th think about this. When hands are laid on you to be healed. Now, now think about this. And, and Lord, thank you. Faith requires honesty. Faith requires honesty. And here's what I mean by this. Somebody will get hands laid on them for healing. And they don't receive right away. Well, they, now, now, now listen. They've got to make a decision right there. What do I believe? Because you've only got two things to believe. Either I receive, and I will see the manifestation, or I didn't, and it must not have been God's will. And, and there are people that walk away from healing lines and they don't feel better in the next couple of days, and they begin to wonder, well, what's wrong? How's come things aren't changing? And then the enemy comes, well, it's because of you, and you do this, and, and you, you this, and, and, and you're missing it here, and you're not doing right over here, and you're this, and, you're, and he starts with all the guilt and shame and condemnation, and he starts beating them up. When guilt, shame, condemnation comes into your life, and you start partaking of it, you're not solidly convinced of your righteousness. Think about this for a minute. There's nothing I could do to heal myself. So there's nothing I could do that would stop God from healing me. If I'll believe Him. The, the, listen, the reason why we tell people if there's unforgiveness in your heart, it'll hinder your healing is because it'll be something between you and God in your mind. Right? God will heal you knowing that you need to forgive somebody and then He'll help you forgive them. But who's back of any guilt, shame, and condemnation? Who's in back of that? Can God be in back of something He delivered you from? No! God is not in back of guilt and shame and condemnation and making you feel bad for where you missed it. God's the one that delivered you from all those feelings. So when you get hands laid on you, what's your mindset? Hands were laid on me. I received in the name of Jesus. I'm convinced that I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what if, what, if, what if something comes to my mind about somebody I need to forgive? Forgive them. Amen. But don't lay there and wallow in that. Am I helping you? Because what's that do? It erodes your confidence. It erodes your confidence in God. The enemy is always attacking God's confidence. Your, your confidence in God. Always. Every attack of the enemy is to get you to not believe God. Amen. Amen. So when, when you read the, book, the, the, the story of the book of Job, all of those things were designed to move Job away from God. And Job had a lot of questions. And Job made a lot of silly, wrong statements. But the thing that Job never did was forsake God. 
He said, Job didn't understand that it wasn't God. But Job stood up and said, I don't know why he's doing this to me. But if he slays me, I'll trust him. Well, it wasn't God. But Job didn't know that. He didn't know anything about a devil. But notice, even a man without a thimbleful of the revelation that we have stood there with, with no covenant with God, no idea about the things of God, and he said, I don't know why he's doing this, but if he slays me, I'll trust him. Amen. He never moved away from God. Faith knows God is never the problem. Faith knows that God is never the one not answering. Faith knows that God is never the one not acting. God, God moves in a, in, a, in a collaboration with us. Glory to God. And uh, let's see here. Whew. His faith was so strong that he was convinced that if need be, God would raise Isaac from the dead to keep his promise. Jesus said it this way. I'll move heaven and earth to make sure my word stands. Amen. You got we got our parts being convinced. God will do whatever needs to be done to keep His word to you. The enemy launches attacks, mental and physically, to what? To move you away from the word and out of faith. Move you away from the word and out of faith. And if you won't be moved away from the word, you can't be moved out of faith. Amen. It seems elementary, but it's the number one issue. It's the number one issue. Is the enemy's always trying to get people out out of the word and move them out of faith. You know, somebody said something to my wife the other day. And uh, it's, it's a ministry friend of ours. And uh, uh, they, they made the statement. And uh, they were talking. If, if, if I told you who they were, you'd know who they were. But they, they were talking about the book, Every Day is a Faith Day. And uh, 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 they had read it and, and enjoyed it. But they made a statement. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. I'm, I'm not saying this pounding my chest. They said, uh, you know, I hear people preaching faith. And they said, but nobody is preaching and teaching faith with the same spirit of faith that Philip is. Amen. Because faith is a subject that can be taught. But it's a spirit that has to be caught. You understand what I'm saying? The enemy will always come. Every trial... Make no mistake, every trial is an attempt to get you out of the Word and get you out of faith. Amen. Everyone, to disbelieve the Word and move you out of faith. Hallelujah. And you can't be moved. Hallelujah. Now, we know that, but again, faith takes honesty. Am I honest enough to sit back and say, I got moved here? I moved. I gave ground. There's been times in my life I've had to ask myself, why aren't things happening quicker than, they ha- than they're happening? 
Now again, I don't know anybody's situation. I'm saying for me, why aren't things happening the way they ought to be happening? And if I would investigate it, I could find out why. There were areas I wasn't keeping my confession going. There were areas I wasn't declaring what God had said. I wasn't really, I, I was in the fight of faith, but I wasn't in the fight of faith. Right. Amen. So notice, feelings, pressure, circumstances are all used by the enemy in an attempt to move us out of faith. And what you're convinced of will make the difference. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10. Notice in Hebrews 10 and 35, he said, Paul said, well, I believe it was Paul. May not have been. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. That word confidence is, is courage or boldness or frankness in speech. Don't cast it off. Don't throw it away. The enemy sends trials to take your courage and your boldness. But if we will stay convinced, we'll not let our technique get sloppy. We won't, we, the, the reverse will happen. We'll take his courage. Amen. Amen. Notice uh, Hebrews 11 and 30. Hebrews 11 and 30. It says concerning the children of Israel, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. I've heard preachers, I mean preachers, people with degrees, preach that the reason those walls fell was because of the, the, the certain uh, 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 amplitude of the horns and the shout. You know, it reached such a frequency that it could destroy those walls. The Bible says it was faith. Amen. You know, those little ram's horns and people shouting are not going to destroy walls that chariots can race on. Took faith. By faith. Well, what was their faith step? Six times every, every day for six days. They marched one time around that wall. The seventh day they marched seven. They did that by faith. And God, why had God promised them? He told Joshua, six days you shall march around, you shall come past Jericho. On the seventh day you'll march seven. And it shall be that when the priest shall make a long blast with the ram's horn, all the people shall shout with a great shout, for I have given you the city. What? I have given it to you. In the very beginning, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into your hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Is that right? But wait, the first part of that verse says, Jericho was tightly shut up. None went out. None came in because of the children of Israel. They were fortified. It didn't look like there was any way in that city. But God said, I've given it to you. So what was proof they believed that? They marched six days, one time around. And on the seventh day, they marched seven. And then the priest blew the ram's horn and the people shouted and the walls fell down flat. You see? But notice something. Notice what preceded this. Joshua chapter 2. Oh, glory. And here's something I've learned about the fight of faith over the years I've been doing this. Is once you learn how to do it, it keeps working. 
Don't let your foot up off the accelerator. Keep going. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. This is when the, 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 the uh, spies were talking to Harlot the Rahab. Or the Rahab the Harlot. Harlot the Rahab. Well, them Rahabs are bad people. <laughs> Rahab the Harlot. And she said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. All the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God is he is in heaven above and in earth beneath. What does this say? Faith takes the courage of your enemy. They were doing this in faith. And she said, the moment we heard about you, notice, the moment we heard about you, there did not remain any courage in any man. Oh, glory. At the end of this chapter, chapter 24, it says, and they, the the two spies, said to Joshua, truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the land do faint because of us. They had had never drawn one sword. They had never thrown one rock. They just heard. They just heard what had happened and their courage left. The fight of faith, when you see somebody doing it right, it's a beautiful thing to look at. Amen. But it doesn't just happen without technique. I got to be convinced. Any part of anything you're successful of will be convinced that will you be convinced that you can be successful. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, you mean I can do anything if I'm convinced? No, but I mean anything you do, you'll be successful at if you're convinced. I don't care how hard you try. If you are six foot ten and weigh 302 pounds, you're never going to be a jockey. You can be convinced all you want. It's not going to happen. If you're five foot one and weigh 120, you're not going to play middle linebacker in the NFL. It's not going to happen. Well, I got faith. I don't care. It's not going to happen. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. And as they're carrying you off on the stretcher. Right? See, faith is honest. They knew they could not take this city on their own. They needed God to help them. What did I say in the beginning? The supernatural is God's part. The believing is your part. I don't know how God's going to get the house to you that He's going to get to you, but I know He's going to do it if you're believing Him. He's, it's, it's not up to me. My part's believing. His part is working the supernatural. Amen. 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 Isn't that good? Glory to God. We, we, We hear miracle testimonies of people that were delivered and set free and healed from sicknesses and and deadly diseases. And, 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 And we should shout about it. 
But there's something we need to see. Somebody believed that God could do that. There's a ministering and a receiving in those, in those instances. Somebody's got to minister it, and somebody's got to believe God can. Amen. Say out loud, I believe God can. Hallelujah. Joshua 5 and 1. Notice this. It came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites that were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Their hearts melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. They fell out. There was no spirit left in them. Now, think about this for a moment. And, and I don't want to take too much time here because this is another message. But think about this for a moment. All the kings, notice, all the kings of the Canaanites, the kings of the Amorites, the kings of the Canaanites. God had told the people of Israel, he said, you're not going to, or, or told Abraham, your, your seed is not going to take full possession of this land until, until the fullness of the time of the Amorites comes. In, in other words, their wicked lifestyle is going to reach such a point that you're going, to, you're going to go in there and rid the land of them. The Amorites and the Canaanites. These are the groups that possessed the promised land when the first group went in. Now think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. When they heard about the children of Israel, their hearts melted. They heard. So these guys that the first group were worried about, their hearts had melted. They didn't have any spirit left in them. What that first group do? Gave them 40 years to regroup. But notice what happened. God hadn't changed his mind. And when they heard about him again, the same thing happened. I wish believers would do me a favor. I wish they would do themselves a favor. I wish they would quit running their mouth about the devil fighting them. The devil is standing there in the presence of a man of faith and he has no courage left. His spirit has fainted. His heart has melted. There are people in the sound of my voice. You don't know if you can take anymore. You have taken everything the devil has to give you and you are still here. You're still standing. It doesn't matter if you can taste the teeth dust and it's grinding in your mouth. You need to step back and just smile at him and let him know I took your best shot and you could not stop me. You couldn't stop me. And I got news for you. He can't stop you next time. And he can't stop you the next time. Your faith takes his courage. Amen. Hallelujah. All the time. See, when the enemy takes his best shot, you just stay in faith and keep your technique solid. Trust your training. Amen. Trust your training. You've been trained for great things. 
If, 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 listen, I know those of you that go to this church, you've been trained to do big things for God. And, you, and you're going to do them because you got good training. And God's going to help you. And God's going to supply for you. And God's going to make a way. And God's going to break down walls. And God's going to open doors. It's not going to end the way the enemy wants you to think it's going to end. You came out of the worst year that any of us can remember in present memory. And you are better off. You're healed. You're more prosperous. Your family is together. God is on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. And we still have the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joe is not on the throne in the kingdom. There's a J, but it's not Joe. It's Jesus. And he's still king of kings. He's still Lord of lords. My wife was listening to a message I preached probably close to 15 years ago. And I made the statement. It was in election season. And I said, all of us better realize something. Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. We've been preaching that for years. It doesn't matter who's in office. Amen. 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 And every, every administration that comes in, people say, this is the worst one ever. Well, yeah, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Things are going to get worse and worse. People are going to think worse and worse. But it doesn't change the kingdom. What's going to happen in the kingdom? Better and better. Glory to glory. Faith to faith. Victory to victory. That's us. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. One, <laughs> one last verse. 1 John 5, 4. You know this verse, but we should read it. We should read it. Glory to God. When you think about all the good things God's doing, it's hard to focus on any of the bad things that the devil's doing. Mm-mm-mm. And, and, that, and that's why this year we're, bring, we're, bringing in, we're bringing in faith-building people, pastors, prophets, apostles. We're bringing people in that are going to build the local church. Why? It's the, it's the year of the local church. Amen. It's the, it's the year of light and magnificent victory. Hallelujah. Uh, Brother, Brother Jerry's been preaching on first, how it's going to be a year of first. God's going to do first-time things in your life this year. He's going to do things you've never seen him do before, but he's going to do it. You've got to believe that. You've got to be convinced of that. Oh, glory. 1 John 5 and 4. Notice it says, Whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What does that tell you and I? Faith is victory. Faith is victory. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this and in, in closing, and I'm, I'm going to make two statements. First of all is this. If you're facing a challenge where your faith is concerned, your faith will outlast the challenge. Amen. Don't give up. Secondly, I'm not preaching this from the standpoint of a person who's preaching faith and never experienced loss. Amen. I, I believe I was in faith. I was in faith and believing where my dad was concerned. Amen. I was believing as much as I knew to believe. Well, he went to heaven. 
People say, did you ever question that? Not one time. Not one time. Why? I'm convinced God's the healer. Yeah, but why didn't he heal your dad? My dad didn't want to be healed. My dad was ready to go to heaven. He was tired of fighting. Yeah, but every, every, everybody's not in that case. It, it, listen, if you, let, if you believe God is a healer and is the healer, it doesn't matter who you know that didn't get it. It's what you believe. It doesn't change what you believe. Hallelujah. And what the church does is they get off on this tangent of, well, I know so-and-so had faith. Why'd they die? That's wrong. That's, that's not the issue. You're trying to judge someone else's faith, and you can't do that. You don't know if they had faith or not unless you talked to them and they told you they didn't have it. Faith comes by hearing, but I don't know who faith's coming to today. You might have got a boatload of faith this morning, and you might not have received anything I've said. I doubt it, but you understand what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know what level of faith came, but here's what I know. What God said is what's true. And so we keep laying hands on the sick because Jesus is a healer and he said that that believers would lay hands on the sick and that the sick would recover. What's your job? If you're one of the sick that the hands were laid on. Hands were laid on me and Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 that when hands of the believers were laid on me, I would recover. That's the fight of faith. Amen. So I'm not preaching this from the standpoint of someone that that has not experienced loss. I've experienced loss, but I didn't let the loss affect my faith. Amen. Because ever how it happened, we won. We won. My my dad called me. My dad called me probably 2.30 in the morning on a, oh, a Monday. Yeah, Monday. And uh, dad had been fighting that stuff. And... uh, uh, you know, he called me, and he, and he said to me, he said, son, I've talked it over with the Lord, and he said, uh, he's told me I can come home if I want to. Amen. And I said, well, what are you going to do, Dad? He said, well, I think I'm going to go home. And I said, well, and, and here's the thing. It wasn't my job to talk him out of it. Because I've known people before that talked people out of what they wanted and, and they were miserable. Well, then he called my sister and told her. And you know, sure enough, about four hours later, he went home. Amen. But the way he went home, he just went to sleep. Yes. He was laying in bed and, and my mother said, I need to pull this sheet a little bit. And he said, okay, what do you need? Now watch, he's so lucid. What do you need me to do? She said, roll over on your right side. He rolls over on his right side. He rolls over himself on his right side. She said, okay. He didn't respond. She said, okay, you can roll back over. He didn't respond. She said, Philip Wayne, she said, I touched him on the shoulder, and he was gone. That quick. Now, he wanted to go home. Don't, Lord, help me say this right. I was dealing with a person one time, and, and, and a loved one of theirs was, was really, 
facing an uphill battle with a, a very painful disease, cancer. And uh, when I would talk to the person, I could just tell their fight was gone. They'd been standing so long. And I even told them, I said, you know, <laughs> you, you hate to say this kind of thing to people, but we're believing with you. But ultimately, whether you stay on this earth or not is your choice. Right. And I told them after they died, I said, they just got tired. They just got wore out. Here's why I'm saying this. You may have lost a loved one or lost a friend, and I say lost in, in the operative sense, but we haven't lost them. If they're born again, we haven't lost them. They're just like they're in another room. And maybe you don't know why. I can tell you what the Spirit of the Lord's telling me to say. There's times people just get tired and want to go home. Amen. That's not always the answer. But don't start questioning, does, did God want to heal? When that's, that's irreversible in the Word. God always wants to heal. Amen. But there's ministering and receiving. Right. My dad had laid hands on the sick his entire life. I watched blind eyes open, deaf ears, cancers healed. A guy came to him in a meeting one time with a fully replaced knee, fully replaced knee. No bone in the knee. It had been fully replaced. My dad laid hands on him. He went back to the doctor and came back the next night with the doctor's report that there was bone in that knee and, and all the mechanical parts were gone. It was brand new. Now, that's what, right? He knew God was a healer. He knew it was God's will to heal. But he made a choice to go to heaven. Hallelujah. See, that'll, that'll make your technique shaky. And then the next time you come up with the challenge, well, you know, I prayed for them and they didn't, yeah. Nope, you can't do that. They asked Oral Roberts, what are you going to do if the next person you lay hands on dies? He said, I'm going to say next now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being flippant with any challenge that you're facing. I need you to hear my heart. But I'm saying, I'm preaching this from the standpoint, I've lost a child. My wife and I lost our first child. But I had to go to the Word and find out, what do I believe? Did God take my child? Or is God the giver of life? God gave me that child. The devil stole that child. It, ne it never stopped me from believing who God was. I'm convinced who God is. And it's God that helped me see that child's in my future, not in my past. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got another son waiting on me, cheering me on from the grandstands of heaven. Preach it, Daddy. Preach the Word. Tell folks how to believe God. I've got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. And so do you. we got a job to do. Don't let the devil take you out of here one second, one minute, one, one hour before you're ready to go. You got, you got souls to win. You got people to see safe. People are depending on your witness. They're depending on you to stand and fight this good fight of faith. And you can do it.
Glory to God. Let's stand up today. I hope you receive from the Word. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I believe God. I believe God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the, the bodies that were healed and touched today in the prayer line. Father, we thank you for the, for the Word of God that, according to your Word, has the ability to revolutionize our lives. And Lord, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I always want to make sure, watching online, those in, in the auditorium, those in the sanctuary, I want to make sure that you're 100% right where you need to be with Jesus. Number one, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Number two, that you have made the commitment to live for him. If that's not the case, it's the easiest thing in the world to do to change that circumstance. And I want to give you the opportunity. If you're watching online or in this auditorium, you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. Just say this out loud with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus died and rose again and he's forevermore alive. I confess him as my Lord and receive him as my Savior in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, if you said that prayer with me, I believe that you're born again. If you said it online, please let us know that you said that prayer. God, we'd love to help you, love to help you, disciple you, help you grow in the things of God.